0: ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions. We'll dive into education issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You'll hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here is your host, Dr. Melissa Seidorf. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for tuning in today for a chance to get to know Wes Brownfield, the Executive Director of the Arizona Rural Schools Association. Wes has recently completed his first year as the Director and has some exciting things planned for the year ahead as we gear up around the state to welcome our students back to school. Wes, are you ready to give us the scoop?
1: I'm ready to give you the scoop, Melissa.
0: Great. First... Before we get started, can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and your background?
1: Well, uh, education was a midlife career change for me. Like a lot of people, I found myself to uh, fairly worthless undergraduate degrees. So about you know, 1994, 1995, I um, went back to Prescott College, actually, uh, in their adult degree program to get my teaching certificate. I began my teaching career down in Ajo, taught down there for one year. Uh, then I uh, took a job as a special ed teacher in St. John's, Arizona, taught there for two years, and was lucky enough to become head teacher and then principal at Coronado Elementary there. Six years later, I became executive director at Lake Havasu Unified my Executive Director. Um, uh, educational services director at Lake Havasu Unified, did that for six years, learned a lot. Uh, I got really lucky, met and married my wife, Christina. Then we moved to Chino Valley, Arizona, where I got the best job anybody could ever have. I was principal at Chino Valley High School for six years, Uh, retired. Uh, My wife now works at Department of Ed here in Phoenix. We've moved to Phoenix. And um, I am retired from active participation in education. Now what I do is have the great good fortune of being the executive director of an amazing association dedicated solely to the benefit of rural educators and rural students.
0: And we know that teachers really, really don't retire, do they? They always find other things to do.
1: (laughs) No, education is a little bit like the Hotel California. You check in, but you almost never check out. That's true. I know of very few teachers who uh, ever fully retire.
0: So you mentioned ARSA. Can you tell us about ARSA, what it is, and how did it come to be?
1: Well, uh, Arizona Rural Schools Association really had its origin back around 1985 um, when the uh, superintendent at Oracle, a fellow named Jack Harmon, put out a call to other uh, rural and small uh, administrators, mostly superintendents, uh, to coalesce somehow, get together uh, to meet the uh, challenges that were coming from the legislature that would have had uh, a real negative impact on uh, rural schools. And small school. And you know, a lot of that has not changed. We still face uh, legislation that is largely designed by legislators who are familiar with rural, uh, urban districts and don't fully understand the difference. So uh, in the fall of 1985, Jack Harmon, oh, let's say it was Mary Lou uh, Gammon, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, a guy named Newman and uh, uh, Tom Robinette all superintendents they met they decided to form the Arizona Small and Rural Schools Association uh, they began uh, as an association in January of 1986 uh, and this whole organization was begun under the uh, uh, protection and with the encouragement of the folks up at uh, NAU. Uh, in its early days, uh, small uh, Arizona Small and or Rural Schools Association had no executive director. They really didn't have anyone to uh, help them stay organized, become organized. There was no office. And fortunately for all of us, NAU was there to help guide and uh, further the interests of the association in the early years. I think it was back, uh, we had several presidents, uh, back in about, uh, 1998 we had our first executive director. There's been five. Uh, and as I recall, it's Pat, it was Pat Lennon. He was the first executive director. I did not know Pat. Then there was Bill Stewart, uh, new, uh, Bill Stewart, then Bill Blong and Don German. And, Now Me. Mary Lou Gammon, who was the first president, is actually working on a brief history, a monograph of the history of uh, Arizona Rural Schools Association, which she will present at our conference coming up in September.
0: Well, speaking of the upcoming year, ARSA has three main goals. Can you introduce us to those?
1: Well, generally said, um, There's sort of the three R's, uh, uh, relationships, which uh, facilitating stronger relationships with other members within uh, the rural schools community. In fact, our our, um, slogan actually, if it was as it was for uh, Arizona rural schools is stronger together Um, and strong relationships with the legislature, with Department of Education, and with the goods and services providers who tend to sponsor us at our conference who offer goods and services to very isolated rural districts who really need someone's expertise at the phone call away um also recognition you know uh, to one recognize that there is a fundamental difference in many ways between rural districts and urban districts uh recognition of the, um, sacrifices people often, people often make to remain rural, uh, recognition of the unique relationships that schools have in their community, with their community. Most, uh, most rural communities who are really the target of unfortunate shifts in demographics, uh, which leaves the community both, older and poor um, the school district is the cultural and emotional heart of that community right and uh, that vital relationship and there's a a great deal of uh, research coming out particularly by Battelle for kids how important that relationship is and you know it's uh, as you well know Most rural schools, in uh, particularly a distressed rural community, they're the biggest employer, and almost always the uh, biggest employer who offers jobs with benefits.
0: Very true. So
1: that sort of uh, recognition, and then recognition of our Teachers of the Year, which is sort of the flagship endeavor of Arizona rural schools. We've had, as I believe, we've had five state Rural School Association's Teacher of the year go on to be national uh, rural Teachers of the year Impressive. and then through our uh, Rosie Rubio, Rosie Rubio Scholarship Foundation we're hoping to recognize and support paraprofessionals uh, other um, employees in a district who may not who are not certified in going back to uh, college, getting their teacher certification. And these people will tend to stay in that local community because they're vested in that local community. So it's, it's that sort of recogni- recognition. Uh, and then, of course, uh, resources. We work uh, with the legislature uh, a good deal. Sean Rickards does. You do on uh, alerting the legislature and policymakers to the difference in availability of resources that you find in rural districts versus urban districts. Right. And that's, you know, uh, generally to promote the uh, general good when it comes to rural school districts, rural teachers, rural students, rural community members, and their often unique needs in Arizona.
0: Wes, you mentioned the Fall Conference, and in addition to some other really great programs, which we'll talk about later, the Fall Conference is held every September in Flagstaff, Arizona. And what can you tell us about the conference that's coming up this year?
1: Well, this year will be our 25th anniversary as a conference. As I said, our association goes goes back a good deal longer, but we will celebrate 25 years of being stronger together. Uh, and and the the conference is in a broader sense, since always intended to be a celebration of a year of hard work under often difficult cer- difficult circumstances and being isolated. So it's a really good way for rural school members to come together as a family. And if you get to know these people, as you well know, uh, there really is a strong sense of family. Yes. We also uh, announce our teacher, our state teacher of the year. We recognize our Hall of Fame member. Uh, We also try to make the conference as meaningful as possible for teachers because we will have 18 breakout sessions offering various focuses, various types of professional development for both teachers and administrators. But I find it For me, uh, and I believe my responsibility as executive director is to orchestrate a large family reunion where a lot of really good, completely dedicated educators get together, speak to one another, and gain strength from one another.
0: That is very well said. Well,
1: well, I, uh, I tend to look at everything... Well, most things in education as a family. I ran my high school as a family, uh, and uh, the wonderful people involved in Arizona Rural Schools Association—they have earned, I think, that ability to be recognized as a family group. And I would rec- i couldn't re- uh, recommend enough. Anyone who has not been to one of our conferences. Please register. The registration forms are online and come enjoy sort of the uh, fellowship of people who are, oh, as I put it, rural schools, people take what they do very seriously, but they don't take themselves very seriously. And if you want proof of that, all you have to do is go out for our golf tournament and see see these people play golf. And you know right <laughs> away, they don't take what they do terribly seriously.
0: And that happens the day before the conference actually starts. That's on,
1: yes. On Thursday morning out at Flagstaff Ranch, we have a golf tournament shotgun start. Flagstaff Ranch is a beautiful woodlands course that most of us never get a chance to play on. And they always welcome us out there. We have, uh, we have lunch afterwards. And it's a really good, enjoyable way to unwind after uh, what is usually a pretty hectic, what is not usually, what is always a very hectic, sometimes tense, if you can't find the teachers you need, few first few weeks of school, and it gives everybody a chance also to get up out of the heat, go up to the pines where it's nice and cool, and enjoy themselves. It's a great way to start your day, start your uh, conference.
0: One of the highlights of our association is the Teacher of the Year program, which you've already mentioned. Can you talk to us about that? Give us a little bit more detail?
1: Well, over the years, our Teacher of the Year um, program, as I've said, has developed in sort of the flagship program of Arizona Rural Schools. We accept nominations from all over the state. You have to be a member to nominate someone. Uh, they have to be uh, a teacher in a rural school. What we do then is we go through, look at the nominations and we select finalist by county. Now that's not to mean that these are the county school superintendents, teachers of the year, although some of them are, you can, you can be anybody else's, uh, teacher of the year, candidate, winner, uh, all you need to do to be considered for the ARSA Teacher of the Year is have your nominator nominate you on our form. Anyway, after we go through and evaluate all the nominations, and as you know, there are a few things more grueling than trying to uh, separate some of the very, very best from everybody who's very, very good. Yes. Then we so we make our uh, we select our finalists one per county. This year we have 12. Then we have interviews which are coming up. We interview those finalists in August and make the uh, difficult, challenging, but wonderfully rewarding uh, choice as to which one will be our state teacher of the year. And uh, our awards banquet Friday night up at the conferences, it'll be on the 13th this year. We announce that we introduce all of the finalists and we announce the winner. Our winners automatically uh, enrolled or selected as in the National Rural Education Association Teacher of the Year competition. And they will go the following year to wherever the national conference is and compete for rural teacher, uh, National Rural Teacher of the Year. And as I said, we've had five of them from our state go off and do that. This year, the National uh, NREA Conference is in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, 23rd through the 26th of October. And Major Salvatore Fioria, he is the ROTC, ROTC Commandant up at Globe High School. He was our commander. Uh, state winner last year, he will go this year and compete for national. And we give what I think is the neatest plaque anybody has ever put on their I love me wall.
0: So Wes, along those same lines, you have shepherded the formation of the Rosie Rubio Scholarship Foundation, which you've mentioned. Can you introduce the listeners to that scholarship fund and what it does?
1: Well, it goes back to the, uh, an acknowledged since for some time, that we wanted, as an association, to do something to support rural schools who often have trouble finding talent. It's very tough, tough to recruit, even tougher to reach, retain. And we've been thinking for a while of some sort of a scholarship to support rural staff members. Typically, uh, it's typically going to be a paraprofessional who choose to go back to get their teaching certificate or sometimes start completely. Some of them have no college whatsoever. And an unfortunate event about three years ago occurred when a dear friend to uh, rural schools and uh, an associate of Mike Shoto at one GPA um, died suddenly. And it was that tragic loss of Rosie Rubio. She was a immigrant from Columbia who had aspirations of becoming a teacher uh, and teaching in the United States that sort of coalesced us around the notion of creating a scholarship endowment in her name. Mike Shoto, as he always does, is very generous with some uh, seed money and his time in recommending some people to look at to create an endowment. We put together a working group of uh, Robert Young from One to One uh, Wealth Management Mike himself, uh, Sean Rickert, Barb Uren, and, uh, John Warren, our association president, and developed the form, the, the structure of the, uh, scholarship. And we are now at the point where we have rolled it out and we are open for scholarships for this year. I believe we have two in the making. We will select the, uh, the candidate based on merit and essentially what it is is a thousand dollar a year award until for four years or until they finish their teaching uh their teacher education program and there are no strings attached and this is uh something that barb you in insisted on and i couldn't support more Often, if you're a single parent, like so many of our rural uh, paraprofessionals are, they don't necessarily, if you want to help them, don't give them money with strings attached. Give them money that they can use just to get through the year. And I personally don't care if you buy groceries, if you get your car fixed. Whatever it takes to support you to stay in school to get your teacher uh, certification and then stay in a community that you know and knows you, I'm more than happy to do.
0: How many um, scholarships a year are awarded? Well, we uh,
1: awarded one last year, the first one from a teach up at team uh, down in Pima uh, and she's still in the program. So she will get uh, an additional award this year. And then the new recipient will get a, uh, same award and the renewable at any given time we expect to probably have four active scholarships per year That's
0: and excellent. then
1: we're also going to take a portion of the money that we have we have a little bit of seed money and with the help of Robert Young we're going to invest that in an endowment and just agreed to leave we'll uh, leave it alone and in about 20 25 years, we will have a self-sustaining endowment that the leadership in Arizona rural schools in the future can use to make some serious differences in the lives of some adults who want to go back and be a a teacher. We have noticed that scholarships abound for kids who are leaving high school and that's fine and that's wonderful, but we want somebody who has been in a school, been in a rural school, understand what it looks like, and even then are committed to becoming a teacher and staying in the community where they live.
0: We are excited about that program because we do know that Grow Your Own is an excellent way to look at potential resources within a rural community.
1: Oh, absolutely. NAU, Pam Powell up at NAU, uh, and Dr. Milot up at NAU are really focused on the whole notion of supporting the process of growing your own. Because as I've said before, and any rural educator or administrator will tell you that it is so difficult to get kids, and I call you know uh, anybody coming out of college to me as a kid to go to rural settings because it's so isolated. Some of them are so isolated, right? so uh, you can sometimes get them to come and stay uh, for their first year, but it's really difficult to retain them, and we think that growing your own is has the capacity to be a great win-win for members and for the uh, people who have become dedicated to becoming teachers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Wes, you mentioned one of the R's as resources and ARSA does seek to be a resource to its over 110 member districts. What kind of resources does ARSA offer?
1: Uh, the first thing I'll just sort of start, start in no particular order. We ha- uh, is legislative advocacy. Sean Rickert is our, uh, advocacy, advocacy specialist. He has a great working relationship with legislators on both sides of the aisle. You yourself, although you would never admit it, you have a very uh, effective presence and a great deal of respect with the legislature. Uh, Arizona Department of Education uh, under uh, Kathy Hoffman, we uh, she is very supportive of rural endeavors and uh, she un- fundamentally understands The unique needs of rural. We uh, have a request to speak program where if uh, if if you want to speak to your uh, legislator, they require that you show up to a kiosk in person down at the uh, Capitol. Often that can be a challenge. So anybody lets me know, I'll go down to the kiosk and register them. We publish our newsletter, uh, which is another way. that we try to support rural schools and make them aware of the resources that are available. Uh, We work with, uh, we have a good working relationship with the other uh, educational groups in the state, ASA, ASBO, ASBA, uh, ABEC, and we all work together to fundamentally promote education in general, and then you've got rural schools focused on rural schools in particular and you and Sean both work tirelessly to create strong relationships that are not they're not lobbying relationships right they're they're different and in a minute I think we're probably going to talk a little bit about that uh, yeah we have 110 members so you take but the thing is we represent a whole lot more people in that because most members are members as a district. Any one person in a district. So you've got even rural. So you some rural schools have uh, districts have several school sites. You have one person in that district join ARSA. We consider the entire district to be a member. But we represent when you look at the number of schools we represent and then the number of teachers in that school we represent and then by extension the students and the families. Uh, I think it would be an amazing, staggering number of people that we represent. And the advantage we have, the more members we have, particularly under the no, and that's when the notion of stronger together really kicks in. Legislators listen to constituents. Yes, they listen they to someone who represents a large number of constituents. And half the school. Uh, Uh, The students in the state are rural, so done correctly, legislators will listen to an uh, organization like Rural Schools, especially if they know we represent a great many schools and districts and teachers.
0: Well, following up on that, Wes, as we look to the next legislative session that, that won't be starting until January of 2020... What are the areas that ARSA will focus time and attention on? Because we're already gearing up for those conversations. Uh,
1: I, I guess the first thing, the most important thing would be sustainable funding. Uh, to do our best to work with legislators on the front end, to help them inform their legislation as they're making it, and to avoid as much as possible the unfunded mandate Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that has that uh, and that affects everybody but there is no economy of scale in rural districts so an unfunded mandate will hit a rural district a lot harder than it will an urban district we're also looking at the notion of community schools we think that has great promise to offer uh, a structure for uh, enhancing and identifying the relationship between rural schools and their communities, but then again, if we're not careful, we'll end up with more unfunded mandates. And you know, it's it is our responsibility to look at any new legislation, any new uh, initiatives, with a certain amount of discernment. Because there the world abounds, education abounds in good ideas.
0: Mm -hmm. But a
1: good idea that is not properly thought out, not support and not supported by well crafted legislation, and more importantly, not supported by resources, not supported by money, uh can become a burden almost immediately. And that's one thing that we uh and you and Sean are always working to keep people aware that just a, a, a cute title on a piece of legislation and being able to say that you got that uh, passed, that does not mean you have acted in support of or with the best interest in mind of our rural schools. So that's yeah. one thing that, uh, you know, we're always looking for. There's always, and then there's the school facilities board, trying to uh, help them understand that in rural districts, preventative maintenance is something that is often budgetarily unobtainable also you know in, in rural districts also you don't always have the expertise which requires uh, which is required to, for meaningful effective sustainable preventative maintenance or sometimes installation of whatever product it is in the first place that's true so uh, trying to get the SFB to support preventative maintenance with real money and real understanding is something that I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, the concept of a school facility board, that's fine. It's, it's a great concept. But it needs to be met with understanding and resources. You and Sean have your set of you know, legislators know you. My hope and everything I always work towards is that when they begin to craft legislation, they speak to you because you guys are the best source of identifying unintended unintended consequences and all the uh, heartache and aggravation that can go with that before a legislation is introduced. It is so much easier to, introduce sound legislation, than to amend poorly thought-through legislation.
0: That's very true. And and what's to follow up on that, ARSA does not have a lobbyist, unlike some other of the educational associations around the state. What are some of the approaches that ARSA takes in its advocacy work? Because it is different.
1: The thing I like about the advocacy model is that our advocates represent Only rural schools and the needs of rural schools and the legislators know this. They know that if they want an opinion that is as objective and well-informed as possible, talk to ARSA.
0: And not only that, but we give the districts as much information about what's happening as possible so that they can make informed decisions about how that particular piece of legislation or an initiative or some other kind of new programming might affect their rural community. And once they're informed, then they're able to then advocate on behalf of their rural schools.
1: Absolutely. You know, advocacy just does not occur uh, down at our Capitol. Effective advocacy occurs in rural communities at school board meetings, at rotary meetings, and the better informed that our members can be of legislation and policy and their implications, the better they are able to have those conversations in their local community and having people who can speak from the with the authority of the truth and understanding of reality, that makes a huge difference because a rural superintendent, they are representing their school and their uh, profession at the grocery store, at the gas station, as I said, in Rotary. At uh, most of them are members of the local chamber of commerce, particularly at the school board level. So the more educated they are, the more they can help their constituents make, or at least develop, um, educated opinions.
0: Wes, in your opinion, how does ARSA membership benefit its member districts?
1: ARSA gives member districts an idea and an and action around which to coalesce. Take, we take seriously, long before it was even stated, the notion of stronger together. So, yeah, you get, a, you, you, you get a quarterly newsletter that we try to make as meaningful as possible. Beyond that, there is the, uh, of course, there's the advocacy. There's the understanding and the communicating of understanding of policy that creates this loop back and forth between members. You get an opportunity to recognize outstanding teachers in your school, which is uh, vitally important, and now to recognize uh, a paraprofessional who wants to go on and become a teacher. You get the chance, as I've said, of having a family reunion every year, which is Mm -hmm. really priceless. But further than that, beyond that, is we are blessed with, in rural schools, a group of people who are sponsors for our association. And these people, yes, they offer their businesses and they offer goods and they offer services. But more importantly, they offer expertise for rural administrators who may not have an expertise expertise in that particular area, but they are no more than a phone call away and they are all to a person willing to offer advice first and then if you are interested in the services they offer, that's wonderful. That's the win-win. And that, that I can't overstate how important that relationship is between our members and uh, our, our sponsors. They're priceless.
0: Wes, if anyone wants more information on the Arizona Rural Schools Association or its programming, how can they get in touch with you to find out more?
1: Well, they can go on uh, They can go on our website, it's azruralschools.org, or they can call me anytime, um, 928-830-7182, or uh, or shoot me an email anytime, and it's at arsaschools at gmail.com.
0: Well, Wes, thank you so much for being involved with the podcast today. I want to let all the Rural scoop listeners know that Wes's contact information will be available in the show notes, so you can check that out, as he stated, at the Arizona Rural Schools Association website. It's azruralschools.org, and you can get more detailed information on how to get in touch with him. I really do appreciate the time that you took to, to speak to me today.
1: It was a pleasure. You know me. I can go on about ARSA forever and ever. <laughs>
0: Thanks again, Wes.
1: Oh, thank you, Melissa.